0: Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to open the word and to look at your word. We ask you to guide and lead and and show us what you'd have us to see. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Psalm 62. To the chief musician, to Jeduthun, a Psalm of David, truly my soul waits upon God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall shall be, you be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from His Excellency. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly, Selah. My soul, wait you only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are, are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity trust not in oppression and become not vain in robbery if riches increase set not your heart upon them God has spoken once twice have I heard this that the power belongs to God also unto you O Lord belongs mercy for you render unto every man according to his work alright we're going to take a look at this and 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 this is a this is a psalm to Jedathon and Jedathon appears to be a the fa- one of the families in the musical, musical side for the Levites. His name is mentioned some 26 times in the, in the Old Testament. It says, truly my soul waits upon the Lord. From him comes my salvation. And I love this. He's saying my soul waits. It, it reposes. It's at rest. And it's at rest upon God. You know, this is probably the hardest thing that we can ever do, is rest when everything seems to be going wrong around us. When we are under pressure and things aren't going right, to just rest and say, God, I'm waiting for you. Because he is the one that brings our salvation, our rescue, our deliverance. And it's so important that we do this. And I believe me, I understand full well how hard it is to rest, because I've gone through this in, in recent weeks. Where I've been looking at things and, and going, God, I just need you. I need you to give me peace. And it's not necessarily easy. And I understand that. And yet God says we're to wait on him. We're just to repose, just to rest in him. But our flesh keeps saying, I've got to take care of everything. It, you know, God's not doing it fast enough. I've got to do this. And God, you're not, you're not meeting it in the right time frame. And sometimes it very much appears that it's not in the right time frame. Uh, when, you, when you've got something that's coming due and it's not happening as fast as you want it to do. There's bills out there. There's, there's people wanting answers to something and the answers just aren't coming. And, a, and, and we're just to rest. Because God is where our salvation comes from. I can't make things happen. I've learned that over time. It took me a long time to learn that but God really showed me that all my plans could be blocked and I'm and I'm a I'm an administrator I'm a manager and I know that many of my plans over a period of six years were good plans okay you could have put them up and passed them around in any business place you have said yes these are good plans and God blocked every one of them until I finally just had to say I give up I'm just gonna say God I'm waiting for you to be the answer and he and he answered
1: that's how, whenever I get an injury, I know that's why. He wants me to slow down. That's what I love my ankle. He wants me to slow down. And that's the only way I get for, uh, for me to get the attention. Really, and, and
0: sometimes that's what it's all about. And,
1: and I believe that so much, and I'm not, you know, mad about my ankle. I figure, well, you know, I have to, you know, slow down. And it happened for a reason. Now, what's oh, yeah. the reason? You don't know yet. Need I, I, I need down. to slow down. I need to slow down and not do so many things. Her body mm-hmm. needed to rest a little. I don't so have to do certain, certain things. things.
0: Just, just to um, wait. Just yeah. to yeah, wait to on to God is um, is I important.
1: And he and wants I me know to know. learn patience. <laughs> <education. laughs>
0: <laughs> and sometimes he just wants dependence.
1: And then
2: I did read the Bible, too. <laughs> and I
1: will get my...
3: <laughs> she broke her leg
0: to learn okay the word what's
3: dependence
0: he's looking for dependence on him oh, oh
2: depend on
0: god. god wants us to depend on him he is the one that's going to give us our answer he is the one that's going to help us He says he only is my rock and my salvation he is my defense i shall not be greatly moved this is important God is our rock our firm foundation and he is our salvation he is our refuge he is the place where we're going to find that deliverance that position of in of protection he is the one that we surrender to i
3: find it so much easier just to let
0: god be my defense it it makes life really easy when you really learn to let him be your defense Somebody's attacking you. You say, okay, God, you're my defender. Uh, you know, things are going bad in your life. You go, God, you're my defender. All I'm going to do is hide in you. And it does make life easy. And then we forget about it and we find out how hard it is when we forgot that he's our defender and he's our defense. And we go, okay, God, I've got to get back in. The, <laughs> I've got to get back in. The bull and, Well, no, get it back in the shelter. No,
3: here I come again,
0: Lord. You know, God, I'm just getting, I'm climbing inside this tower. You're my protector. God, you go into the bull ring. You're my defender. You're my champion. And in the days that David is speaking here and through the medieval ages, the, a person would have a, a champion that would fight for them quite often. The king would not go and fight his own battles. He sent his champion, his knights out to go fight for him. The royalty, the nobility, would not go out and fight their own battle. Usually, they would have a champion that went out for them. And the Sunday school next week, we'll be talking about David and Goliath. Goliath was representing the Midianite people, and it ended up being David representing the, the, the 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 Israelites. They went out to meet as champions. Okay, they were looking. You know, there wasn't battle against against the entire army is you know at least it wasn't supposed to be Uh, when David beat Goliath the there there was the battle because they didn't surrender like they were supposed to so because they were so sure that Goliath was going to win and God will provide that that battle he puts us in the fortress and he says I am gonna go be your champion in battle and no better champion can we have other than God being the one that says I'm going to go out there you just you just sit in the fortress you sit in the tower and I will go win this fight and he won the fight at Calvary so there's not even a fight anymore he's already defeated the enemy he just goes out and reminds them hey you've lost get out and He says, I shall not be greatly moved. I am not going to shake. I'm not going to totter around because I am in a safe place.
1: That's why I say not doing stuff stuff stupid, but I'm not afraid of a lot of things because I hide behind God now. Mm -hmm. And I used to not really hide behind because I was afraid. Like I can't do that. It's easy. I can do it a lot now.
0: (laughs) We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And most of that means that we hide and let him be the one that carries the weight and the burden and the battle. And we just walk along behind him. He's our guide. (laughs) Verse three, how long will you imagine mischief against a man? You shall be slain of all of you as a bowing wall shall you be and as a tottering fence. Isn't this the way the world is? they they imagine evil, they imagine mischief and sometimes we fall into that if we're not following God closely, you know we you know, I really wish something would happen to this person, you know they deserve they deserve to have punishment. What are they up to? Huh? What are they up to? you know we're thinking all the bad that we can, and it's so easy for us to do this.
1: something
0: but you know. This is where you know, what, what
2: do: they want?
0: This is where grace is so important. God gives us grace. We need to give grace. And it's, and it's not meaning to be stupid about what they do or anything, or, or let them take advantage of us, but we need to think the best of, best in people, and then when they prove that they're not doing the best, then we say, "God, go ahead and get them because they're not doing what they should. And we know that the flesh wants to do evil. I mean that's. We know that when somebody lives in the flesh they want to do evil because when we are in the flesh we want to do evil it's just a matter it's just the way it is we we want to get the best in a situation we're not willing to let somebody else be exalted while we are look while we are looked to be humbled i'm
1: probably learning that i am calming down on that said, well, that's god's job i know he said you'll probably
0: should something wrong i would think like well i'm by the time God gets around it, and they've gotten, gotten away God. with it so but you know David is saying how long are people going to imagine mischief against them so you shall all you shall be slain all of you God gives them their reward that they deserve now we don't usually think of bad things being a reward but that's what God says that is what they're they get what they deserve and God will always give them what they deserve. Now he may be slow in our mind, because he's given them enough rope to hang themselves and, and keep themselves there, but he does it in his time.
3: Or like Haman. Haman even built the hanging and and yet God looked at him and said, You could change. You could change. There's not there's no reason for what you're doing here. These are my people, I'm going to get you. And he wouldn't change, and God got you.
1: And hung him on the
0: gallows that he built. He built. And that's not unusual for people to fall upon their own traps.
1: Mm-hmm. I think when God does it, he does it, to me, more graceful. In
2: a way where you think, that, okay, that is true, God said, it. But you were thinking of it that
1: way. But when you step back and let him do it, it doesn't get done.
0: And that's what I keep saying over and over. God's principles are, if we want to defend ourselves, we want to try to protect ourselves, he will say, go ahead and protect yourself, and he'll step back. He's a very fair fighter. It's a one-on-one fight. It's not going to be a two-on-one fight where he he shares the glory with you. You either step back and let him fight, or he lets you fight. I have a
2: question. The guy that balked
3: on Moses, what was his name?
0: which one
3: the one the one in particular that wanted, if Moses could go in there they could too
0: you're talking about Korah, the Korah rebellion uh
3: huh okay they weren't they didn't god give them a chance well, they always I have told a chance them, those that agree with him stand over here
0: yeah they could have they could have they could have not gone over there and or and, and say, hey, repented Wait
3: a minute. This, this this ain't going to work this ain't working out good
0: God always gives people a chance to repent, always. When they won't, then he brings judgment.
3: But that's why we should be careful. What would we rather have, retaliation or salvation for the person who
0: they get? And that is exactly, that's why God asks us to pray for one another and to build up one another. Our goal should never be, God, I want you to get this person because they deserve it because of... If we get what we deserve, we would be judged.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You said that this
0: morning. You know, so we want to be so careful that when, we're praying, that when we're looking at others, and I've said this over and over, I don't want people to be judged. I don't want them to be hurt. I want to see them fall under God's grace and mercy and repent. And I, would, I will go through anything if it will bring somebody to repentance. You know, I don't care what happens to me. I'm like Paul in that. You know? If, if I could give my life for others to be saved, then I'll do that because it's important enough for them to get saved. You know, Paul prayed, you know, God, if, if you would save Israel, I would go to hell for them. You know, and because he loved his people enough to say, God, I'm willing to, if you will save the, the nation, I would be willing to, to be punished for, for eternity. Moses said the same thing. God, you can't take them. If you're going to take them, take me instead. Okay, those leaders that really love their people—that's their prayer. God, if it takes my life to for them to be protected, I'm willing to give my life for them to be protected. Mm. And it is so important when we look at people, we should be looking at them for the grace with God's love. You know, if we really truly understand the horror of God's judgment, the horror of God of eternity and hell. We're going to be praying hard for somebody to be falling under the merciful hand of God and repent. I have
3: a problem then because I don't think the way Paul did or Moses did, and I wish I did, but I don't want to miss out on Jesus so bad.
0: Neither did they. I mean, in essence, it's just that your love for somebody should be so great that you want to see them blessed. And this is truly humbling ourselves to the point of God... Bless them. I don't need to be lifted up. I don't need to be the center of attention as long as they come to you. Right. Amen. As long as they come to you. And I've shared the, the, the test the story of the, the the unsaved comedian who really gets after Christians. He goes, You must all really hate the lost world or you don't believe God. If you really believed in hell, how could you not be Spreading the gospel, and he's got a point.
2: Yeah,
0: he's making fun of Christians, but he has a real strong point. If we truly believe that everybody who hasn't heard the gospel is going to hell, have we told everybody that we know the gospel? I'm
2: trying.
0: You know, and I'm
3: now working on my mother and And
0: that's good. I mean, because that's what it takes. We need to be <laughs> able to say,
1: <laughs> I'm
3: "This is mind.
0: what's going on," and it's important because hell is a terrible place for anybody to go to to the horror of eternal judgment eternal separation from God eternal pain it's not an annihilation like like a lot of different religious groups want to try to go go, well God is so loving that he wouldn't punish them no they made a decision and they get what they have decided for he has created us not as eternal beings because we did not we have a beginning but we have a eternal Life from the point that we are born. We are going to live forever either in hell or heaven And it's important for us to understand that life does not end at death it starts the real life or death afterwards and We need to understand that we get to death and we're going to we as Christians will step into the presence of God Those who have rejected Jesus will head for an eternity separated from God with eternal punishment in a prison that was designed for the angels that rejected Christ, uh, rejected God. Hell was not built for humans, but humans that would choose to want to go there, he'll send them there.
1: How, how I really think is I pray for people that I love, that I know that are Christians, but I want them to be Christians, because once if they turn to be Christians, they'll be so much nicer. That's what, I
0: mean that's well, that hopefully is what happens too well
1: that's what I'm hoping I'm thinking if they're a Christian
0: they'll be nice but I think the bigger reason that we want to pray for them and is so that they'll they end will. up in heaven yeah,
1: that's like, and that too but I'm trying to make it so. the,
0: the side benefit is that they're probably going to be nicer yeah. if they get saved and they're going yeah, to be more Christ like but that shouldn't be our motivation for our motivation really should be that right. to get if them to go to heaven rather he than hell he,
1: that's a good motivation
0: yeah Two of the blasphemies I learned that Jesus did before he was uh, crucified was that he, uh, first of all, wanted to uh, tell him, that they asked him if he was the king of the Jews, and he said, yes, I'm the king of the Jews, but when I die, I'm going to be seated at the right hand of my father. So that was two blasphemies against the... the well, that's what they stated. That was his... Those guys statement. in those days, they used against, uh, used against him to yeah. crucify him. But, yet, but those so are two facts that uh, he, he claimed that he was the king of the Jews, and he, he does sit right and He gave the truth, and they treated it as a lie. So, right, yeah. So he says, "You shall be slain as a bowing wall and as a tottering fence." And this is talking about a wall that's bowed out; it's it's ready to fall. Yep. I don't know if you've seen any really old yeah, building yeah. I met a stone stone house here in here in Florida. Kind of is that, you know it not sturdy the the jail the the jail is all that bowing down and ready to fall a tottering fence one that is in disrepair it couldn't hold it couldn't hold anything in in or out because it's falling apart this is what god describes the life of those that are our enemies those that are seeking and imagining being, uh, uh, mischief they're like falling down walls and falling down fences There's, you know, and yet, don't we look at them and we think of them as these really strong enemies and God saying they're going to collapse in any second, there's no big deal. You know, it's a big difference on how the enemy is looked at when you're stronger than they are. When we look at them, they look strong and mighty, God looks at them and says, little breath and they're gone, they'll fall, they'll fall flat. You know, and this is this is the amazing thing for us. What we think of as big problems to God are nothing. I heard somebody one time say, you know, well, I I, I take care of all my little problems and I give God my big problems. And I'm going, okay, what problem is big to God? (laughs) Your biggest problem to God is going to be something that that if he really wanted and desired, he'd laugh at. But he wants to help us so any problem that we have to, is something we should give to God. Because to him, all problems are any problem we have is going to be little, anything. You know? And God is saying, I'm wanting to help you. I can take care of these little bowing walls and tottering fences that you're so worried about. And he can take care of them. He can knock them off. Verse 4. They only consult to cast him down from his lead. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouth, and they curse inwardly. Say la. You know, and this is the wicked. They're always consulting to cast people down. They want to tear people down. They want to destroy. They delight in lies. You know, people delight in lies. And the, and the flesh enjoys being having people led astray and, and gone wrong. They bless with their mouth, and they curse with their inward, inwardly. This is, again, the world. You know, all the doublespeak of the world, they'll tell you what they think you want to hear, and then they tear you down behind your back. They tear you down you know, in front of others. This is the way the world works. We as Christians should not be part of that world. We should be speaking blessing to people in their presence and behind their back. And I think it's more important to be speaking blessing behind their back than it is in front of them. Because nothing's worse than to have somebody say all the good things about you while they're in their presence and then be tearing you down.
2: Right.
0: Been there, had that done to me. You know, We need to be able to say, I trust this person. I know that they're going to say good things behind my back. And this is important for us to have that kind of reputation that if somebody hears that we've said something bad about them,
3: it's not true
0: they have to know that it's not true if our reputation says I'm speaking good things about people and you know the problem with this is if you're listening to gossip you're listening to bad things about other people whether it's true or not if the person you're listening to is probably going to be saying bad things about you behind your back it's just a guarantee if they're willing to talk about others they're going to talk about you so you are better off not even listening to anything negative about people because you want to stop it and I very quickly get taken out of out of gossip circles because I tell them no I'm not gonna listen I don't want to hear it let's go talk to this person I had one person one time say I've got to tell you something but you can't tell you can't tell them I'm going Then don't, don't even tell me we're not even going to go there because I'm not going to listen and it made, it made the person angry with me because they go, well, you've got a position, I'm going, but, but you're not going to go there. I'm not going to take an accusation without that person being able to hear it. I'm not going to take secondhand information or even firsthand from you that they can't defend because it's always, when somebody tells you something, it's almost always slanted to make them look good and the other person look bad worse. You know, or worse than them anyway. I've been too many times of troubleshooting and trying to get to the bottom of a problem listening to two different sides of a story and both of them both of them sounding like angels and the other one sounding like a devil in the middle of it you know and and both of them telling you you know and I'm sure that both of them thought that they were telling you the truth and but it was slanted in such a way that they'd leave out what they said and make the other person look really bad or and when you finally try to put it all together, you realize that both were just as, just as far off as the, uh, you know, in the problem and caused problems. Well, and there's
2: always
3: three sides to this. <laughs> yes. Your, Your side, side, my side, and the, the
2: truth.
0: And that pretty much is a true statement. And that's why gossip is such a bad, bad thing to listen to. Because you're only getting one side of a story. And you don't know. And you know, the thing that gets me is when you get people also assigned motive, well, they did this because. Well, how do you know why they did it? And that's usually what you get when it's, when you're hearing gossip. You know, they did this, and this is why they did it. Well, I'm not. I wasn't in their brain. You weren't in their brain, so you really don't know why they did it. You may think that you know why they did it. You may you may even truly believe that that's what they're doing. But oftentimes we get into a big problem when we think we know that somebody said something. On purpose to try to di- make a dig at us, and they don't even know—they au- weren't even aware—they said something. All they did was say something that you know they may even thought it was kind. You know what they said, and we took it wrong. You know, well, look, look how nasty they were when they said that, and they were saying somebody something good about something. I've even heard that somebody said something good about somebody, and then somebody goes, "Well, why they make such a nasty attitude with that comment?" They couldn't have really meant it. Listen, did you hear their nastiness? I don't know. Maybe they were getting ready to. St- they said it I don't know why they picked it up that way but you know God's going to defend he's going to protect and he's going to be able to go forward he doesn't want this to happen you know he doesn't want to see these curses and yes people so oftentimes will bless us and then curse us out afterwards but we want to be able to say I want to stick with the blessing I want to see the good I want to build them up verse 5 my soul wait you only upon God for my expectation is from him and again this whole idea of waiting to be silent to be in repose to just relax my soul wait on God because he is my expectation he is my the one I'm going to depend on he is the one that I'm going to look forward to he is my hope he is my expectation if I'm sitting here worried all the time about what can I do to fix a problem, what can I do to solve everything, I'm not waiting on God. My mind is racing. I'm sitting there, how can I fix? You know, take your pick. How can I fix my finances, my kids, my grandkids, my nieces, my nephews? They've got to be fixed. And God, you're just not doing it fast enough. I'm going to go do it. And God's saying, just wait. Keep praying. My my great grandmother prayed for my dad to get saved for 32 years. 32 years. How many of us have prayed some for somebody for 32 years?
2: My dad was prayed for for 60. Yeah. 29.
0: But it's important for us to get to this point where we just sit back and we say, God, I want to wait for you. Doesn't mean we don't do anything, but we don't get frantic about it. We don't we don't sit there and say. Okay, I've got to get this all worked out. I've got to work myself up and get the answer. Because God is our expectation. We rest in him. He is our expectation. Verse 6, for he is my rock and my salvation and my defense. I shall not be moved. This sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? We can just add that in verse 2. You know, again, he's going, God. God is our rock. God is our defense. He's our deliverer. We need, and we're seeing this over and over again in the Psalms, we need to fully understand that God is our defender. We need to just have faith to rest in him and say, God, you are the one I'm going to trust. And again, I'm saying, I've been there and I know it. It's not easy sometimes to rest in God. But you know, it's so much nicer when we do.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
3: About the same situations, over and over and over and over. Look round here. What pastor told you? What was he gonna say? All right, God, I heard you. Okay, just shut up, be
0: content, and wait on y'all. Yep. Verse seven. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. God is my salvation and my glory. Glory, building up, the the lifting up. If we're going to be lifted up, it needs to be God lifting us up with his glory. His glory. And that keeps us from being proud, and that's what we talked about (laughs) this morning. You know, if if we're getting proud of what we're doing, we've got a problem. Mm -hmm. Because it's all God lifting us up. And we want to be lifted up by God. And so people can then follow us as we follow God. And that's what Paul told told the people, follow me as I follow God. If I'm not following God, don't follow me. (laughs) And this is important for those who are helping others and leading people. As long as they're walking in godliness and and leading, then people can follow them. But they need to follow them with their Bible wide open and and listening to God so that when that person goes off in the wrong direction, and they will, that they go, no, I'm not following that direction. I'm gonna stand here until you come back on the right path. And that's important because many times we'll go off on the wrong path, not even meaning to. Mm -hmm. And that's why I tell everybody, I'm not planning ever to teach wrong. Does that mean I'll never teach wrong? Probably not. I probably have taught something wrong in my lifetime over my lifetime because not understanding it completely and not fully, you know, and being, being fully knowledgeable and I hope that people have their Bibles open and they're being good Bereans and looking at the scriptures. And this is important and this is why it's so important. And I keep saying this over and over. If you have, if you ever get a teacher that you're under and they say, just believe me because I have this special knowledge of God or I understand this and I'm a scholar and I have the answers, get as far from that person as you can. Mm-hmm. Because whether they're right or wrong at that moment, they're setting you up for when you, when they do go the wrong direction to. To take you down the wrong path, and you don't want to be that. Nobody is ever right all the time. And my challenge is for people: get into God's Word, look at God's Word, study God's Word. If you find that I've spoken wrong, come and talk to me because I definitely want to know. And we'll look at what you will look at what you found in the Scriptures and say, "Okay, yes, you're right," because it's important. But every time I did, he showed me it
3: was me that was wrong.
0: Well, it's,
2: <laughs>
0: it's, it's important though for because I'm I can I can be wrong just as easily as anybody else. And my approach any time I've gone to a pastor is, pastor, this is what I thought I heard you say. Right,
2: That's
0: good. Okay, and I had one pastor goes, well, if I said that, I really didn't mean to say that. And we went, you know, we looked at what he said, and you know, but I, you know, I'm just as capable of hearing wrong too. It's one reason I like tapes and stuff, so I can go back and make sure. Did I hear what I thought I heard?
3: Because when you're studying, sometimes what you hear in your head and your heart is right. And it sounds right until it comes out your mouth. And then it's too late because others heard you. Yep. And you realize it didn't come out right.
0: Yep. But God is our, our salvation. He's our rescuer. He's our, he's our glory. He wants to be exalted in us. And then he goes, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. David is going over and over on this topic, on this, on this psalm. Get into God and, and just rest. It's called faith rest in the, in, the, in the theology. We just take faith in God and we just rest. He is in charge. All we do is rest in who he is. We don't struggle. We don't strive. We don't work hard. If, if we're struggling and we're striving, then we need to stop and get, get sheltered into God. God is that tower that can stand the storm. And we've talked about this. If you're in a very strong building in the middle of a typhoon or a hurricane or whatever, you don't worry about the storm. You see these pictures sometimes of the lighthouse on a rock with its waves beating on it. They know that that lighthouse is strong and can handle those waves because it is the strong fortress. And it's a great picture of who God is for us. He's our fortress that the, the waves beat against. And basically, he laughs. He goes, this is nothing. You know, it's fun when you're, when you're in a solid building and you're watching the storm outside where it's nice you're comfortable, there's no problem, you're looking out at the storm. I've been in hurricanes, I've been in typhoons, and it's not too bad when you're inside a nice strong building and you're looking out at the storm. Now, if I was outside in the storm, I'd have a lot of fear and and concern. But as long as I'm in that, that strong stone building and looking out, there's not a problem. So, and this is what God's saying, seek refuge in me. The storms of life will pound on him, and he just laughs it off because they can't affect him at all. They say, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Say, La. Trust in him. Trust in him. Hold him to his promises. God tells us, Romans 8 28, all things work together for good, for those are called according to the purpose of God. He tells us that there is nothing that will that overcomes us that is not common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above which we are able. He says, My word will keep you from sin, my word will protect you. I am your strong fortress. This is why we need to know God's word. Because in the midst of trials and troubles. His word is what we grab hold of. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. When we're tempted, God's word comes up. When Jesus was tempted in the, in the wilderness after 40 days of, of fasting, the word was his defense. He goes, God, the, the scriptures say, and he quoted scripture. Satan quoted scripture out of context, so that's why we need to know scripture, so that when Satan tries to give it back to us out of context, we know that it's out of context. Because he said, you know, the angels are supposed to protect you. Go ahead and jump off this pinnacle. They're, they're, they've got to protect you. Well, the Bible does say if you take that verse out of the context, yes, they're going to protect him. Was that Romans 8.28? 8, Romans 8.28. Uh, and then the other one was 1 Corinthians 10.13. So we need 10.13, 1 Corinthians. We need to understand God's promises will keep us when we're in a hard place we know that God loves us he cares for us he wants to be our protection when things are all going bad we look and say God is for good it's for good when we feel like we're being crushed by the temptation we go God you have promised not to suffer, that we're not going to suffer above which we are able but will with the temptation provide a way of escape when we go through these, we have the Bible verses that we quote to ourselves to give us strength as we're seeking refuge in God and his word. And it's important because I can tell you, I know what it's like to feel crushed and be wondering. And my hands are on these, on these promises of God saying, God, it, it's for good. You've promised it's not, that I'm not going to be destroyed. And I'm holding on, God. I don't understand this. It sure seems like you're not telling me the truth, but I'm holding on to your promises. I'm holding on for dear life onto a lifeline that gives me the strength to go forward. And just as I've said over and over again, the more we know about God's word, the more we've learned, the harder the test will be because we're we're leaving kindergarten and moving into first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, college, working on our doctorate. <laughs> whatever it is, whatever level he's brought us to, the test has to be commensurate with what we know because if it's not tested we don't know whether we believe it I can say all day that all things work together for good for those who are called according to the purpose of God and it's really easy to say when I'm not being tested the question is when I'm in the midst of that hard test am I gonna hold on to that truth and say God it's for good it's for good it's for good I don't know why you're doing it but it's for good God, I, I'm being crushed, but You've promised it's not that I'm not going to be destroyed by this. And the more we believe it, the harder the test has to be. And you get people looking at you and saying, "Man, how does that person go making it through that?" Because or, uh, you're not ready for that test. Oh, I say, it could have been worse. It could have been worse. But we need to keep this in mind: God's promises. He wants us to str- hold on to His promises, and that is our strength in the middle of it. Now, when I tell somebody in the middle of a hardship, you know, hey, all things work together for good. No, because if they don't believe it before the test, quoting a verse to them is not going to make them feel any better. You know, they're not going to feel much better, but if they did not believe that all things work together for good, before they're in that test, quoting that verse to them is just going to make them mad. So we just need to love them, encourage them, turn to God, you know, rest in God. But as we grow God's word becomes a comfort. God's word becomes that comfort. God says, I want to be your defense, and you've got somebody attacking you, viciously attacking you verbally, or no, I'm not talking about physically. If they're physically attacking you, get away from them and defend yourself. But I mean, you know what I'm saying when I say they're attacking you. They're, they're tearing you down in front of people, and God's saying, I'm your defense. You have two choices at that time. I can sit there and try to defend myself. And as we said earlier, God, God's a gentleman. He's not going to go two on one. He'll let you be your defender. If you want to be your defender, he's just going to say, OK, go, go be your defender. Or I lay back in God and say, God, you're my defender. Go out and you're my champion. You're my defender. You go take care of it. And he'll win. He'll win. One way or the other, he will win. He can take their life. He can get them convicted. He can, he can change their life. They can come back and confess and, and, and ask for forgiveness. If they don't, God will judge them and bring them down eventually. Again, maybe not in our time, maybe you know, as quickly as we want, but God's saying just rest in, my, rest in me. Rest in me. We trust in him at all times. We pour out our heart. We pour our heart out to God. God wants to hear our requests. He wants to hear when we're hurting. He wants to, to pour out and say, God, this is, you know, this is just not fair, God. This, <laughs> he understands. You know, when, and I've said this oftentimes, when I'm being crushed and I'm holding on with dear life to this, all things work together for good, I've also prayed sometimes, okay, God, I don't understand how this is going to be for good, but you're, you made that promise, so this is what I'm holding on to. I'm trusting in you, God. I'm making sure that you know, God, that the only, thing, only way I'm getting through this is because you said you're going to, make, it, you're going to make, it, make good come out of it. And this is why we look at it. And you know it's so amazing. We look at some people and they go through life seeming to have no problems at all. And I say seeming because their problems to them are just as bad. You know, we may look at it and say, "Wait, they don't go through anything." Well, they're only in kindergarten. Their problems may be kindergarten problems, and we look at it and say, "Ah, they're just getting along so easy." <laughs> to a kindergarten, their kindergarten test is pretty hard. Mm-hmm. You know. Their, their, little, their little one plus one test is really a tough test because they're still trying to learn it. If we look at them and judge them because you know you, hey, the, you don't even know what trials are, they're try, that's, we don't want to say that because their trials are just as hard to them as anything that we're going through. And we want to be able to look at this. God is our defense. We pour out our heart to him and we take our refuge in him. He is our defender. Verse nine: Surely, men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are, li- are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Basically, you're saying you can't trust people. People of low degree are vanity; they're not really worth. You know, their opinions really aren't worth anything. If they're if they're not if they're just liars, cheats, thieves, you know, whatever. Uh, their opinion of anything doesn't matter. They're just vanity. It's just a puff of smoke. You know, who's going to care? But then he goes on to say, but even those that are held in high degree, you know, those that we think are really important, their opinion is really important, God is still saying, basically what they speak is lies. If we're speaking in our flesh, whatever we speak is going to be a lie in the long run because that, we're listening to the wrong work. We're not listening to God. We're not building up. There, and this is why we say, even when, a, when somebody living in their flesh speaks something kind about us, we, and every one of you have done the same thing when I said this, we think, what is it that they want? You know, what is it that they're wanting from me that they're being so nice to me? And this is why when we're walking around as Christians being nice to people, the world's first reaction is, what are these crazy Christians wanting? I don't have anything they want but they're they've got to want something or they wouldn't be so nice they wouldn't be kind to me if they didn't want something And I guess in one sense we do want something we want them to come to God we're not being kind to them just because of that hopefully we're just being kind to show God's love to them but isn't that what God's done he says we love we love him because he first loved us we wouldn't come to him if we didn't feel his love and see his love His love sent his son to the cross to die for us so that we could come to him by grace. His love draws us into that shelter. So yes, in one sense, when we're being kind to somebody to get them to come to God, there there is that. We want something. We want them to come to God. And hopefully it's not just that, but we're wanting to show God's love. God loves us so much that he sent the son knowing that many would reject him. And maybe not even many, but most would reject him. Because they don't trust God. For all the love that he's shown, for all the love that he cares to give, people don't trust God. And they want to keep keep him at a distance. God, I don't know what it is you want, but I don't want to to give up my life. And even we as Christians will so often do that. God, you you know, God, I've accepted you, you're in my heart, but you stay over there in the corner, God, until I need you. You know, we may not say it that blunt, but oftentimes that's exactly what we do in our life. God, I'm in control of this. If I, you know, if when things get bad enough, I'll bring you over here, and you can, you can, you can help me get out of the out of the trouble. But until then, God, just stay over there in the corner. Better yet, God, go get in the closet so you don't even know what's going on until I call you out.
3: It's not good for you, Lord. to know this. Yeah, you
0: don't need to know all this stuff, God. You Just go over there and hide, God. And when I when I need you, I'll I'll call on you. <laughs> I got this
2: yeah
0: and God is a gentleman enough that he says okay if you've got it I'll let you fall flat mm-hmm. on your face I'll let you stand out in the middle of the storm instead of standing inside the the, the the fortress but when you're ready to give up come on in the fortress and then I will go out and take the battle for you and this is where we are so often and it's so easy for us to do it because our flesh bears up and if we don't let him keep our flesh crucified it keeps popping up and saying hey I got this I can can walk you through these problems when we learn that it's all grace everything we do is about grace our salvation is a gift of grace everything that we do for God is truly a gift of grace it's got to be him working through us When we stand before God in heaven and he gives us our rewards, it's going to be rewards based in grace for the works that he did through us. If we did the work, it burns up. So for eternity, we're going to be living in the rewards and the position of grace. Nothing I have done is going to be of value when I get to heaven. It's all going to be when I was crucified and he worked through me. What did he do for me? Grace, grace will be with us for eternity. God's grace, we're not, we're getting every valuable thing from him because of grace. It's because he did the work and you
3: didn't see it. But, yes, you did
2: Because you opened
0: the door tonight. He works through us. And that's when we get our greatest rewards. That's when we do the things that people find valuable And we know nothing about it because he did the work he did the work this is when we just live them we're living in in the spirit we're doing things because he's wanting us to do it and people are being blessed and we're not aware of it we're teaching people and not being aware of it over over my years I've had people tell me I teach them more just by conversations with them sometimes than than the actual sitting down and preaching because I'm just lifting God up I want to talk about God yeah. and it's not me talking about God half the time it's just he is so much important into me out of the treasure of our heart we speak so listen to what you're saying at times are you lifting God up and building him up or are you complaining about what's going on in your life if you're complaining about what's going on in your life and I've been there very much the last couple of weeks not to all other people, but between me and God, I've been complaining to Him a lot. I'm bringing up the attitude of, I'm not focused in the right place. My my, my treasuring in my heart is some problems right now, and other times it's speaking God. I love Sundays when people come out and just visit here. Sharon had her friends come up, and we spent we spent an hour and a half or so just talking in here about God that and happened. the Bible. Uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, another couple was here and we talked the entire afternoon about God and the Bible. You know, I love doing that. Just just talking.
2: Yeah, where have
3: they
0: been? Hmm. Oh yeah, they haven't been here for a couple weeks. I'll have to I didn't think about that, yeah. Um okay. Verse ten trust not in opposition and become not vain in robbery, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. And this is the idea of, is it actually, oppression here is extortion. Trust not in extortion. And extortion has quite, a, quite an interesting way of being, being worked. It doesn't necessarily even mean the illegal extortion, but if you ever tried to get somebody to do something by a promise of doing something in return, you know, technically you're doing an extortion there. You know, if you do such and such for me, I'm gonna be doing this for you. That is not the way God wants us to work.
1: That could be like bribery too.
0: Bribery. God wants us to be kind to people, to be loving them, because that's what he wants. Not to get something back from them. It's hard. Our flesh is going, I want something back, God. I don't want to be nice to this person who's always mean to me. If I'm nice to them, they better be nice to me, because otherwise I'm not getting what I want, and I'm going to be mean back to them. And God say, no, love them, be kind to them. Uh, Try to show his love to them. He says, don't, and become not vain in robbery. So God is saying, don't put your trust in false things. He says, if riches increase, okay, if strength or riches are produced, set not your heart upon them. How easy is it for us when we have the success to think somehow we did it and rest on that success? And God is saying, don't do that. Don't, it wasn't your victory. It's not, if it was your victory, it's definitely not something you want to rest on. And and even if it's God's victory, don't stand on it. Because God doesn't stand still, He keeps moving forward. There's a very old st- statement that says, if you're not moving forward spirit- spiritually, you're going backwards. And it's pretty much true of life in period. If you're not moving forward, there's no such thing as standing still. You're falling behind. When I would work in the restaurants, the standards I had kept moving up. As people got better with the standards, I moved the standard up. So somebody who was, stayed steady, <laughs> you know, they were just acceptable a year ago, and I moved the standard up, now no longer are they acceptable. They needed to move up with us because I kept wanting to increase what is it, what was acceptable, and God does the same thing in our life. He keeps moving us deeper into spirituality. He keeps moving us deeper in what is wrong and what is right. And hopefully you've noticed that in your life. There's something that you were able to do for years and years, and then all of a sudden God steps and says, uh, you know, I want you to pay attention to this verse. That's your, you know, you're violating my principles here. And all of a sudden, what you've been doing for years, and it was okay because you didn't know any better, God is saying, pay attention. Pay attention. It's not allowed anymore. He raises the standard. He wants us to be more and more like him with each passing moment. If you're still standing on what was acceptable in your life a year ago, God's moved the standard. He's moved the standard in your life. And this is why I've said over and over to people, two people can be doing the same exact activity, one of them sinning because God told them not to, and the other one's not sinning. Okay? And because it's very clear. You know, there are a few things that we know are sin. There's a, there's a handful of you shall not in the Bible. Okay? That we can say everybody did sin. Okay? But you take something like gambling. There's no verse in the Bible that says thou shalt not gamble. Now, there are lots of verses that talk about getting rich quick or not being a good steward. And when God shows you these verses, you might come to the conclusion of, I can't gamble. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong for somebody else because God is working somewhere else in their life. For cigarettes, I can't smoke. It would be a sin for me to smoke because of what God has taught me. For others, it's not. There's so many different places where we need to be able to give people grace. Now, if somebody's committing fornication or adultery or stealing and, you know, these places where it's very clear, thou shalt not, then you're going to go, God says, no, you can't do that. You can't say that that's not a sin because he said it very clearly. But there's a lot of places where we deal with principles. We deal with principles. I cannot not come to church unless I was dead (laughs) or feeling dead or in the hospital why because god has convicted me that i must be in church period it's not anything other than he says you need to be with god's people am i going to say everybody needs to be with god's people i think it's better for you to be with god's people than not but that's for them to decide between them and god and i can't sit there and say well you're not at every single service you're you're sinning (laughs) because that's not what god says God doesn't say to be at every single service. He says forsake not the assembling of yourself together and so much more as you see the day approaching. But that doesn't say be at every single thing that they assemble to. In the the New Testament, the disciples met daily. They would have church daily and and teach the word. Now did every single person in the church show up every single day? I don't think so. People had lives, people had things that they had to do with their families. And so we want to be able to say. Listen to God, trust in Him, and put your heart on Him, not on the, the victories. This is one of the things churches sometimes will do. They'll, they'll, they'll dwell in the past when they had great, great revivals and numbers of people came out to their church, and then, and then something changed, and it's not happening anymore, and they remember. We remember when. Forget the when and go forward from where you're at now. Forget the when and start looking at what is for the future. Even in our own lives, sometimes we'll stop and say, God, I remember when I was really strong, I read the Bible every day, I was praying, everything was going good, and, and quit living in the past to say, God, help me get revived. Bring me back again, God. Don't, don't live in the past, because if we're living in the past, then we criticize ourselves and we're, and we're negative on ourselves, saying, well, you know, I'm just worthless. I can't, I'm not doing anything for God anymore. I can't, I can't make anything happen. I couldn't make anything happen anyway. It was all God when he did it in the first place. And we just say, God, I, I'm not where I want. I'm not where you, I've, I used to be. Help me come forward and I repent and bring me forward. And God will probably give you something brand new. His word is always fresh. His works are always fresh. He's not going to repeat what he's done in the past. He'll give you a new, fresh revelation. You read the scriptures and you read the same scripture over and over again and he gives you something new out of the scripture when you read it again. I am thoroughly convinced that I could probably teach from the same chapter of some book over and over again and keep it new because it's brand new all the time. I don't want to try it, but I know that it can happen because I've read the same scriptures over and over again and had new stuff come out of them each time. So God is always going to give us fresh food. He doesn't go out and find some moldy stuff out of the trash and say, here's your your old old food, eat it. It's always going to be fresh. It's always going to be new. Verse 11, God has spoken once, twice I have heard it, this, that power belongs to God. God is the powerful one. All power belongs to him. He doesn't share his power. It's all going to be in him. And it says, Also unto you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to every man according to his work. Again, God gives people what they deserve when it's in his time. He will give them what they deserve. Even though we think it's slow sometimes, he's he's going to reward them with what they deserve. And we need to keep that in mind. We don't want to be envious of what they're doing and what we think they're doing good and what blessings we think they're getting. Because for one thing, if we really were inside their heart, everything we think is a blessing, they may not be thinking as, as a blessing. They may be thinking of as a curse. Many rich, rich people feel that they've been cursed with riches because they never know, number one, who their friends are.
2: Right.
0: Do they like me because of me, or are they trying to get my money? Yeah. And we look at them like, man, they got everything they want. They're, they're being blessed. blessed so special, and they're looking at it more of a curse.
3: Power Ranger, that you guys told me that passed away. Remember, you told me one of the Power Rangers was very sick and passed away? Power's
2: power, Power. Uh,
3: okay, I got the wrong name. Yeah, he
2: got the wrong name.
3: Yeah. Pa- but they're Christians and they're muscle builders for Christ. Oh. And oh. this man was bad. If he got what? some people would think he deserved, it would be the death chamber. But he got saved in prison instead and devoted his life, what was left of it was it cancer? Yeah, it was cancer. This man was the perfect picture of hell, but he was dying of cancer, and his last breath was with children, young people bringing them to Christ to not go through the sinful like he did. So what if he had got what he deserved when he was younger yeah. or should he have gotten what he deserved when he found Jesus in prison and came out a changed clean man? Yeah. Well, God uses people like that, That's right.
0: And God's grace is what, because everything is grace. Everything is grace and we need to, yeah. and I know I've been saying that a lot today, but it's something that's really been on my mind. Everything is God's grace. And if it isn't his grace, then we've got a problem. Because I'm not to get what I deserve, and, I, and, and I'm not going to be blessed according to what I deserve. It's all God's grace. He wants my flesh crucified. He wants me crucified so that he can live through me. And then he rewards me for, by living through me. And it's an amazing. He wants us to hide in him as our refuge and our defense. He wants to do the work through us. He wants to be, He wants our voice to be used by him. And I've shared many times, it's so wonderful when you're witnessing to somebody and all of a sudden the spirit takes over what you're saying and, you're, and you end up kind of listening to yourself talking to this person and realizing it's not even you talking because the spirit is working through you. And you start saying, I'm not that smart. I'm not that eloquent. I'm not, I, I'm not that quick on my feet to think of what to say. And you're, and, you're, and you're just letting the spirit work through you. It's an amazing time. And God is saying, this is my grace. I'm your your flesh is crucified and I'm working through you now let's close in prayer Lord we just thank you for this opportunity we've had to look at your word we thank you that you love us so much that you care for us that you've given your, us your word that you are our, our refuge our strength our tower that you are our protector at all times and that you have a plan for us in our life and we just thank you in Jesus name amen, amen.